Your presence has come. Your 
and uh, it celebrates uh, the sacred wisdom, uh, the wisdom's energy, and wisdom is sapientia, which is a feminine energy. And uh, it was composed uh, by a woman in the uh, 12th century. Uh, it's, she has an interesting story. She, uh, her name is Hildegard. She was one of 10 children. And uh, being around that many people was too much for her. She begged to be uh, sent to the church. So she was, uh, her parents agreed to let her go stay with a woman called an anchoress, uh, a hermit, who had a cottage that abutted uh, the chapel of a, of a monastery. And she was a wise person who knew about the healing arts and, uh, and the healing herbs, and she taught her regard uh, reading, and, and uh, she became a poet. It's said that uh, that, that in the cottage there was a hole in the wall that uh, that went right into the chapel, of the, the monk's chapel. And the monks would come in several times a day to sing the office hours. And uh, in this way, Hildegard learned all the chants. And she began to sing along. So the monks would be singing. And this little soprano voice would join them. And she went on to uh, found a monastery of her own, a Benedictine monastery, and uh, she became quite controversial in the church, uh, supported a number of controversial uh, things, and uh, uh, she died in her 80s. The, the second uh, woman uh, is, uh, is a woman that uh, she died quite young. She about 30, I think, of cancer. And her son, uh, her son uh, was not ever sure what to do. He had questions about his life, and, and uh, one of the questions he had was he didn't know this woman was his mother for quite a long time. But uh, when she was dying, he would fret about what was going to happen, and she said, oh, never mind, John, just let it be. And we're going to sing his song also. And the first song we're going to sing is uh, a song by a woman I admire very much named Kate Wolf. And she was a song, a singer and songwriter in California uh, in the 70s and 80s and helped a lot of singers and uh, wrote a number of beautiful songs. And uh, she, had, she battled herself with leukemia and died in her early 40s. Um, so uh, what we're going to do is we'll sing this song and uh, I'll teach you the chorus and if you know the song uh, sing, sing along with the verses. If you don't know the song, you can listen to the first verse and then hum along with the second verse and by the third verse you should be able to sing the whole thing. On page, what is it? Page four. <laughs> and here's the chorus it goes. You must give yourself to love. Love is what you're after. Open up your hearts to the tears and laughter. Give yourself to love. Give yourself to love. I'll sing one line at a time to repeat it after. Give yourself to love. Love is what you're after. Sing that. Give yourself to love. 
Would not note that I said, do not be afraid to myself as much as to her. It was she who saved me. Her first deliverance, her let it be, not just declaration to the divine, but a word of solace, of soothing, of benediction. For the angel in the doorway would hesitate one last time just for the space of a breath torn from his chest before wrenching himself away from her radiant consent, her beautiful and awful yes. You never have to say a word. Your very presence at the altar 
will say to women in the congregation that they are welcome and included. Well, many of you know me. And I wasn't just going to stand up there. Because I did have something I needed to say. And I feel more strongly than ever that I need to say something now. It's not lost on me that at 6.30, the other religion starts. <laughs> but it is time for truth telling. Four years after my ordination, I had to go to the bishop, my good friend, and tell him that being the rector of an Episcopal church was not what I was called to do. I could not be as creative with worship as I needed to be. And here we are. Becoming a good psychotherapist required that I do my own deep healing work. The more whole I became, the more grounded in this feminine body I became, the more the patriarchy of the church did not work for me. The God of the church is too small. And where is the divine feminine? So I feel I was born and ordained for just such a time as this. All the study, all the healing, all the integration of religion and spirituality and psychotherapy. Our culture is out of balance. Our world is out of balance. Women and feminist, feminist men must speak the truth now. God is much more than father, son, and a masculine spirit. God, in fact, is bigger than masculine and feminine. My favorite description of God is creative, serendipitous mystery. God is not made in our image. And the Jews got it right by trying never to define God or name God. God is way more than we could ask or imagine. And we are called on to save our mother dear from abuse and overuse. It is not lost on me that the earth we call feminine. We call the earth mother, and she is of every one of us. And everything and everybody. On the island of Iona last April, in the last circle of the pilgrimage, which started all of this, Iona being the center of Celtic theology and spirituality, we were asked to share our takeaways. I said my takeaway was to notice and name the divine feminine whenever she is overlooked, taken for granted, or lumped in with a male god that takes the credit for what is in fact the power of the divine spirit. So it's not surprising that I'm standing up here, because this is what I feel called to do. This is what I promised to do. And I was born for just such a time as this. Now the second part I want to talk about is who is Mary, the mother of Jesus? Really? Who is she? Who was she? The cover of the bulletin alone and the reading of the Annunciation by Tom may already give you a deeper insight into who Mary is and was. I'll begin by saying that as a woman of faith, I have wondered for a long time 
what the relationship between Jesus and his mother and his grandmother, Anna, and all his aunts, all of whom were named Mary, all of whom were there his entire life and his death. So what did those women, where did they fit into his spiritual and vocational development? I studied the role of Jew Jewish women in Jesus' time and found that we've been taught grossly misunderstood facts about the role of women in traditional Judaism. The respect accorded to women in Jewish tradition is part of their inheritance. Judaism has always maintained that their way of understanding God is both masculine and feminine. And in traditional Judaism, it is taught women are endowed with a greater degree of bina, intuition, understanding, intelligence, than men. The primary role of a woman is as wife, mother, and keeper of the household. The child of a Jewish woman and a Gentile man is Jewish because of the mother's spiritual authority. So the idea that women have no role in Jewish religious life is just not true. <coughs> Jewish religious life revolves not in the synagogue. It revolves around the home, where the woman's role is very important, often primary. Jewish religion is not something that happens in the synagogue. It happens in the home. Discovering this simply backed up my intuition that Jesus' mother was not forever a 15-year-old virgin. That Jesus' mother Mary, his grandmother Anna, his aunts, his mother's sisters, these are the people who would have been in his life every day, in his home, in his kitchen. They taught him his spirituality, his religion, his morals. And because he was a Nazarene, in the Nazarene sect of Judaism, women are teachers and preachers and prophets. It is likely that his mother Mary was a major teacher and prophet. And it gives us insight into why he related so well to women when he was seen as an Orthodox rabbi. He never should have touched those women. He never should have talked to those women. He certainly never should have listened to those women. And how many of his stories are dialogues with women? Why? Because that's who taught him. That's who he talked to every day. And frankly, though we don't have it in our scriptures, he was surrounded by them, his whole ministry. They funded him. <clears throat> so Mary was a very strong, prophetic, faithful leader in Judaism who helped form the prophet, teacher, and healer that her first child became. More Roman Catholic people pray to Mary than to Jesus and God combined. Why? And here I go to part three. The teaching of Carl Jung, the great Swiss thinker and the pioneer in the field of psychiatry. 
have a lot to say about archetypes and how they speak to us through religion after religion after religion, the old stories that endure from age to age. He developed the concept of the collective unconscious in which these universal archetypes speak to the human condition. It's a little like Star Wars. Carl Jung's book, Answer to Job, said that he considered the dogma of the assumption of Mary to be the most important religious event since the Reformation in the 1500s. And he was not a Roman Catholic. He was the son of a Protestant minister. Young saw it as something that the people had been aware of for over a thousand years. Quote, one could have known for a long time that there was a deep longing in the masses for an intercessor who would at last take her place alongside the Holy Trinity. For more than a thousand years, it has been taken for granted that the Mother of God dwelt in heaven. That the Mother of God dwelt in heaven. Now my grandsons know this, they say to me, it's not possible that God is a man, Nana. It's not possible. <laughs> Hold on to that awareness, Julius. Because, to quote Carl Jung, this is the 1950s. Everything now depends on humans. The immense power of destruction in, given into our hands and the question of whether we can resist the will to use it and temper our will with the spirit of love and wisdom. Universal destruction can only be avoided if the spirit of love and wisdom become incarnate in our humanity. Or to say that another way, to save our planet, in fact, to save our very lives, we must begin to live and develop within ourselves the divine feminine and the divine child. who lives in every one of us, male or female. But if we don't give it attention, we won't develop it. We must begin to manifest love and wisdom. We were all born for just such a time as this. Let it be. Now I want you to take a few minutes, or actually just a few breaths, and I want you to ask yourself, does any of what I've said resonate with your experience? Does it speak to a truth that you have known?
be a teacher, a parent, a godparent, a grandparent, a neighbor, a step-parent, a therapist, a healer. Anyone who has served you as a role model for the incarnate, earth-based, real, approachable, divine feminine. And we invite you at this time to name that person in whatever way you like. You may stand and say the name. You may stay seated and say the name. You may simply speak it to yourself and let yourself know how important they have been in your development. I will say it again, Dr. Grace Cohen.
now we'll have a time of quiet. You're very welcome to be quiet and get up and light a candle, write a prayer, come to healing, look at the images of the divine feminine. Do what makes you comfortable.